Hi, everyone. This is Dax, everyone. On mic for the first time. Oh, dancing. We're dancing. We got a bear hoodie on. Nice. Do you have ears on the hoodie? Yes. Of course he does. Our local state, before we get too national, I guess, here, has extended our two-week stay-home, stay-healthy order um, out another month. Let's do one more time. I'm so tired of hearing myself say bipartisanship. <laughs> Welcome to the salt of the streets. Coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat. With everything going on in this nation, we need some information. And that's why salt needs to be stationed in your rotation. With real talk and real topics, real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them. And leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. Cause that's a, what, what's that? Oh, let's get ready. And just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, April 4th, uh, 2023.06 p.m. <laughs> Episode 82. Episode 82. <laughs> welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast. You want to listen for social and political commentary on all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports so you can handle the best part about the whole deal. It's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless endeavor to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. And I am Donovan. And we're going to have a little bit of a different show this week. Um, we're actually, due to our, our stay-at-home orders and whatnot, we're, we're separated by a distance of miles. And so we're trying something a little different here. So if there's any kind of problems or we get some cut out at any point, that might be why. But I think we are going to be a flagship in the terms of podcasts because we're going to be doing a long-distance detached podcast not in studio but we're not going to have super shitty sound quality like everyone else does because we're apparently smarter than them <laughs> right so <I> don't. <laughs> ideally it won't sound any different to you guys but it's different for us because we we are on the phone with each other and then recording independently so <laughs> hopefully so that kind of right. yeah so that kind of disclaimer out of the way coming up on this week's show it's kind of um been cast in stone already that we're pretty much only talking about covid but there are some other things happening in the background um that aren't getting very much attention that we're going to talk about uh specifically this thing called the earn it act uh, a little bit later in the show but i think to start we're going to uh kind of get everybody updated on where we're at numbers wise you know they're consistently changing but we'll hit some local stuff some national numbers and then we'll just kind of there's been a I mean, I'm sitting here at at least 10 different, like, side stories that have spun off from the general coronavirus media narrative that's continuing to flow out there. So, we, you know, we've, we've got so many different things. I don't even necessarily want to talk about which ones we might get because there's so many, but... Um, <laughs> You we're going to leave you in the dark, and we're just going to get to whatever we want. <laughs> I'm just tired of making promises on topics that we never keep because we talk too much. <laughs> I just kind of feel like that's an aspect of good podcasting or like good radio is like you're. we're going to talk about these things, but we only get to two-thirds of them. Yeah, definitely, because they keep you coming back. Keep you hungry, people. we got to keep you hungry. Exactly. <laughs> like, will they ever talk about this? <laughs> Probably not. If that's the question, 
we'll get to it eventually, maybe in three to six years. We talk um, about what we want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the the first thing I wanted to update was the super local numbers going on in Kitsap County right now. Um, now it's just a matter of which tab I threw that under. I think we were up to 93 confirmed cases in the county. Yeah. Or 92 as of yesterday. Um, the Washington State itself, according to the most recent CDC numbers, are in the range of uh, almost 5,700, and which, by comparison, New York State has over 90,000 as of this. When was this last updated? Uh, let's see here. Looks like the second, so a couple days ago. Last you said that's Thursday. the CDC numbers. Which one was it for Washington State? Washington State is uh, cases reported 5683, so a little over 5,500. Well, so the Seattle Times has the email I got last night mm -hmm. um, was 6,966. That doesn't surprise me because I think the CDC numbers are only updated weekly. And even, and again, remember that even a couple days of separation here could change those numbers pretty dramatically. Yeah. So what we have, like I said, as of last night from the Seattle Times was six thousand nine hundred sixty-six cases, and then two hundred eighty-four deaths. Damn. Which seems like a lot or a little, depending on how you're looking at it. Yeah. We're we're, you know, what is that thing they always say? Factors of magnitude or something like that less than some of the worst hit places like new york right now which thank god because can you imagine seattle with ninety thousand cases of covid i mean i can't even imagine what those people in new york are going through and i have family that live over there but they're all just kind of hunkered down right according to the uh, <coughs> excuse me the world meters website uh new york has a hundred and thirteen thousand cases jeez yeah Hundred and thirteen thousand. Good plus Lord. ten thousand since yesterday. Yeah, I think this is from what uh, Governor Cuomo was saying this morning on his update. Um, today and tomorrow, he thinks are probably going to be the worst days. And, that's and I don't what know what those indicators are that say that they're the the apex is here. I don't I don't know what's allowing them to to say that. But I don't know that they are thinking apex, but just like the worst that we've seen thus far, mm -hmm. because that's what they were saying just today on the press conference as well, um, was that like, this is going to be a bad week. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think know, it's because man. A, at a certain point, it looks like it almost doubles, you know, like it just, the numbers start to get so high that because it's 10,000 new cases just in New York since yesterday. 347 mm -hmm. new deaths since yesterday. <sighs> that's, yeah. I mean, that's There's just 99,000 active cases in New York. So, on that note, there's been some things that have been happening in New York City and New York State in general. Um, the USS Mercy uh, pulled into pulled into port i think uh i can't remember which day last week but it was um it is sometime last week yeah sometime last week they had definitely exponentially increased the maintenance being done on that thing and they got it shipped up there and i saw this salacious story coming from i believe the new york times um 
talking about the salacious. fact salacious. There's a lot of salacious stories right now, um, but it's talking about the fact that this ship that's docked in New York to help offset the hospitals and stuff only has, you know, it has a thousand hospital beds, but only twenty of them are being utilized at this point, which Ooh. indicates kind of a, a a negative narrative, if I could say that. Um, yeah, why would that be the case? Well, the we knew this going into this, right? The USS Mercy was sent up to New York under the auspices that it's going to be handling non-COVID-related, you know, accidents and mishaps and so on and so forth. All those different kind of medical systems that oh, so this is from CNN Politics, which makes more sense now. Um, but it's not for covid-related cases so this is for all the other stuff just to kind of offset the hospital staff that is dealing with the covid cases right so that they don't have to and it, it clears up the system and so mind you everyone's locked down about as hard as you can be in new york right now for anywhere in the country so obviously there's probably going to be a lot less accidents and people getting hurt and you know a lot less injuries essentially because people are just locked down hunkering down um but as you go through and you read more of this article, it does sound like there was some, you know, kind of some logistical problems about how a doctor can, instead of sending you to a hospital, refer you to the hospital ship. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like over the next couple of days, they're going to be getting that kind of logistical stuff worked out. But, yeah, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be surprised to anybody that the federal government level, because this is a military ship we're talking about here, trying to interface with the state, city, local governments, and the hospitals therein, there's going to be some clusterfuck logistics-wise. It's just definitely going to be that way. I mean, we see it. We feel we see failures in logistical, you know, on the logistical ends in just the federal government sending out supplies to various cities and stuff like this and cities not knowing they're receiving them or states not knowing they're receiving them. There's just a lot of, you know, typical bureaucratic governmental, you know, governmental kind of confusion around all this stuff. Well, and I wrote something down about that earlier this week um, about how part of that confusion is coming out and like regarding the supply lines. Yeah. Um, and... Let's see. What did I write down? Just one second here. Get them paper notes, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate this. Oh, you know, it's a thing. Yeah, that's what I get. I will say that, uh, just a, a side note while you're looking, that I yeah. myself now have been directly affected by all of our shutdowns. Our our local state, before we get too national, I guess, here, has extended our two-week stay-home, stay-healthy order um, out another month. So we're looking at essentially a shutdown until, oh, the first full week of May, which I believe is on the 6th. So I think our, our technical shutdown ends the 4th of of may but that's on a saturday yeah and so it looks like we're going back to work tentatively back to work on the 6th of may right now um and so i that you right and i have actually like we can we can do a little aside real quick um because i have still been in work right um i -hmm. work for a medical manufacturer we usually make splints we've we've talked about this before um and as places around the country and around the world 
have closed because of the virus, we've received less and less work. And so we have teamed up with a couple other small businesses in the area to create and to, or to manufacture and donate um, face shields, medical face shields to donate them to local medical centers, both to keep um, our workers in with work you know getting paid and to keep the other small businesses in work um and so that's been a really good i mean it's been a good activity you know it's obviously it's nice to, that i'm able to continue to work uh it's nice to continue to do something that's productive and mm-hmm. is just positive overall um <clears throat> and so i know there's been a lot of people who have been talking about the defense production act you know and will we have to do it or else no one's going to make any of this stuff and so even though it's just one story from one small business you know there are businesses around the country that are volunteering to make this equipment that it's being donated or that it's being sold or it's being whatever you know and it's easier for us that we're donating it but the companies that are selling it the larger corporations um that's where the that's where it takes a little bit longer to get distributed, you know? And this is what I had wrote down earlier is that like the, the protective equipment is going from the, from the feds to the local distributors. And then it's sold to the healthcare centers individually. And so there's all these people whose hands it's going through before it's actually getting to the hospitals. And there's all this money and all these different people that are placing bids, you know, that it's sometimes taking so long for it to get one place to the other. And that's, how some of these numbers can be so skewed from what you're watching every day when you're listening to Donald Trump talk about how much has been manufactured, excuse me, to how much has has actually arrived at the hospitals, at the healthcare centers, like to the first responders, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's something that's, you know, coming from somebody who's dealt directly with purchasing and acquisition and stuff for the military, um, which it works the same for the military that it does in any other branch of federal government. Yeah. Um, you know, you ever heard that old adage about like, you know, you pay a thousand dollars for a toilet seat or a $500 for a hammer type of things. Yeah. That is, it's not that true, but it's very true. I mean, it's not to that extent, but um, when we're, whenever we're looking at, corporations and companies that do business with the federal government whether it's during a pandemic or not the price that the government pays is usually you know orders of magnitude higher than any retailer would pay for it and so there is you know even in a time of pandemic there's there's price gouging going on but not necessarily in the on the you know the storefront side the main street side and it's usually right in the process where of government procurement and Which that is, is it's, it's a problem and it's interesting that you say that because i was wondering this week like when people are talking about the defense production act and things like that and i was confused as to why i don't know there's all this talk about the supply line you know and we got to make mm-hmm. sure the the pricing is right and then it has to be sold for the right price and it has to be this and this and this and it yeah. almost seems like it makes more sense and maybe this is like I don't know. I don't even want to put any like political labels on it, but it almost seems like it's easier to just say all of the supplies anyone needs to make these items don't cost anything anymore. Just we're just going to ship what you need to you so you can build it. And then we're going to send that to the hospitals. Like it seems strange that there's any discussion about cost 
at this time that things aren't just being created and sent out, you know? And I, I don't know, like, but it's, and I know that we, again, we're a small company, you know, but Mm -hmm. all the companies that we're working with to make these face shields have a different part of these materials that they're donating. And then we are donating time and part of the materials to put them together. And then one of the other companies is distributing them, you know? And it's, mm-hmm. so it seems weird. Like we're all, t- we're all eating a little bit of, co- a little bit of cost that I'm sure will come back in the end in the world of some type of tax credits or something like that. But as of right now, you know, they're just taking materials they have and they're putting shit together mm-hmm. and they're donating it. And so it seems weird that that's not, what's just happening you know that there aren't companies that are like no forget that like don't worry about what it costs i'm just gonna take this i'm just gonna make everything and just send it down the line and then we'll talk about it later you know when they're passing (sighs) unprecedented stimulus packages you know trillions of dollars it's i think that's important i don't know just it's to harp on that for a half a second two trillion dollars is the biggest amount of spending that anyone has ever spent in the entire world, ever, ever in history. Yeah, and it could it could yeah. end up being and closer. Yeah, we're going to gonna keep going with this thing because we've adopted this strategy of government's going to foot the bill because the government shut everybody down, and that is a ton, a ton of money. But we can get more into that later if we want to. But yeah, I think this this supply yeah. problem. If anything, it just illustrates how ill-prepared everybody was on every level, um, from the state side on up to the federal side. Um, And one of the biggest narratives that's being overlaid through all of this thing when we're talking about the supply lines and the, the lack of PPE, ventilators, that kind of stuff, is, you know, every state is is turning to the federal government for assistance, right? And it's important to understand that in the United States of America, we do, we technically are still a federalist system where the states are supposed to take care of themselves and the federal government is there as a backup. And mind you, places like yeah. New York and stuff like that, we're never going to be prepared for this at this level. But it doesn't stop the other states from. And just standing as a crystal clear example of unprepared states having to turn to the federal government stockpile and say, hey, we don't have what we need because of X reasons. We need help. And now everything is forced to that federal level, which is never a good way to try to do anything on, you know, as we used to say, like in the, the military, at the deck plate level, at the the main street level, if you will. I mean, it's certainly not going to be productive. No. When you have 50 States all going to the same federal government, the same group of 10 people or whatever, or 10 different Mm -hmm. bureaucratic bodies to try and get assistance. But the same that's, I have that same concern with the, with the supply lines, you know, with everyone having to buy things and bid on things, even the 50 States, regardless of whether or not the federal government is bidding on it, you know, all it, it's, if any, it I mean, it's, weird. A, it's the same kind of thing that we witnessed during Hurricane Katrina. It's like we have this facade almost, this front of an agency of protection or recovery or whatever it is. We have this thing built in place, and we've never really had to utilize it at, a, at, at scale, if you will. But when push comes to shove, when everybody looks to that agency to take care of the business – 
and it's a total another clusterfuck, we continue to be surprised every time. And I think it's time for us to learn yeah. on a, at least a state level that we cannot, at a moment at at a moment's notice, when there is a disaster, we cannot go running to the federal government for help because we have to be ready to take care of ourselves for at least a minimal period of time, which it doesn't appear like many states were prepared to do that at all. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Well, and I. I can I can agree with that, but again I, I think that you already said earlier that I don't know that anyone could have could have foreseen this particular mm-hmm. thing. And, and that's the president said that a bunch of times. And everyone or a number of people have been brought up with quotes what that have you know, they someone talked about this, some type of pandemic mm-hmm. flu, some type of whatever, some type of this, some type of this. Everyone saw some type of disease, but not it happening mm-hmm. right now, you know. Yeah, a lot and of people have so yeah. Everyone should have been more prepared. Everyone should have been more pointed, prepared. Have been pointing this, to the oh, the swine flu epidemic was oh eight oh nine or something like that, um, and how it was a total lack of failure or it was a total failure on the government's part to handle all, all that business and so on and so forth. But you know, again, I don't remember any kind of there was no stay at home orders during this the swine flu stuff. I mean this this was. You know, as people keep saying, they keep using this term. This was a black swan event. This was a, it was an externality that nobody could have necessarily foreseen because we hadn't seen anything like this since the, the Spanish flu. And so, if anything, yeah. it's like, yes, hindsight is great. It's, we can look at this and go, yeah, this was a clusterfuck and it still is kind of an evolving clusterfuck, but we're slowly getting our shit together. And that's good. But we need to remember to learn from this so that. If and when, I don't I don't want to say if, but when this happens again in the future, we may not be alive to witness it, but like we need to lay out the foundational infrastructure to make sure stuff like this can pop off at a moment's notice. Because this is you know, one of two things is gonna wipe out the civil you know, human society in the future. And it's either gonna be a pandemic or it's gonna be nuclear war. One might proceed the other. Yeah. <laughs> but well, and there's been all kinds of memes about like, oh, you know, the preppers were right, but like, they in a certain sense, oh, yeah. they really were, you know. And everyone talked shit and made TV shows about them, and you know, like reality TV and all that stuff to try and trivialize what they were doing and make it seem like it was stupid. Um, but in the end, to that complacency that made us all think it was funny, you know, is what drove to toilet paper shortages and only two boxes yeah. of ammo per person at sportsmen's and shit like that. You know, that's exactly what leads to that. And the price gouging online for ammunition and for different products. I mean, that's, that's exactly what that leads to is the complacency within society. And I, I'm not like, I'm not judging anyone because I certainly wasn't any better, you know, I had some things, I have some stuff, but I'm not, I'm not prepped, you know, as they would say for some type of apocalyptic pop off Mm -hmm. or whatever the fuck, you know, it's, so it's, that's what we all get in a certain sense. That's, that's what we all get is having to wait 10 weeks for a, you know, a a surplus supply of Mm -hmm. ammunition or something like that. That's when you wait until you need it. You know, it's going to cost you more, or you're not going to be able to get it, or yeah. And any if anything, it's that's so our. We, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it, things have been so good for so long that nobody was ever uh, prepared to right. handle something like this because it was unthinkable, essentially. Because things were so good, you you never would think about 
having to run to the grocery store to pick up X item. But now that's a reality. That item may or may not be there for whatever reason. But we're forced to confront the reality now that we are at a situation where it's... I mean, I think going forward here, this may scar enough people that we might have that... Because I think this is going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets better, especially economically. Um, that you yeah. know, we're going to have an entire generational you know, group of people here that have lived through this that are always, from now on, going to have that two-week food and water supply stocked in their house somewhere. They're always going to have some kind of thing in the back of their head that says, well, you know, shit can get real, real quick. And life as we know it can grind to a halt at a moment's notice, and we could be in a totally different landscape. And I need to be able to support the family and myself and survive and so on and so forth. And it's just something that generationally nobody has ever had to handle. That's, you know, for the most part, nobody that's alive today has ever had to experience and go through what we're going through now. And I think right. that it's going to speak volumes for One. for what's going to what's going to kind of generation generationally impact us that may or may not be carried forward in the next generation. One thing I've been thinking about lately. Well, so first off, let me say I think you're correct. If we impress on our children correctly and the youth correctly. Um, how big of a deal this was and how damaging it was to the country, then hopefully you're correct that they will have that two weeks of food. They will take it more seriously and they'll be prepared for something to happen and they'll try and keep themselves in a better position to have money put away, you know, so that they are not on the edge of poverty within one paycheck. If they lose their job, you know, it's, it's been shocking how many not that we didn't know you know how many people didn't have money before but exactly how many people were in immediate detriment when this happened you know like it's just it it was surprising we've talked about it before Um, where it was a surprising number of american families that could withstand you know a thousand dollar emergency and it was like not even half the country was prepared to handle something like that well now you have a a multi a possibly multi-month-long situation where you're missing, you know, multiple paychecks in a row, and it's ten million people filed dude, for unemployment it's last week. Ridiculous! It's insane. We, yeah. I, I mean, everybody keeps talking about the possibilities of a, a recession, and I'm going, people, you don't understand here. Like the we that was the ten million unemployment numbers were from this. This past week, right? It was, I think, on Friday or whatever they reported those numbers. Right. We still have right. a month to go. That is, it's not going to yeah. get any better. And a lot of those people that are having to file for unemployment will not have a job to go back to because the business itself will be closed permanently. Well, something else to consider is how there's still so many reports of people being unable to file for unemployment that that 10 million still isn't even accurate. There are still so many people. I mean, my mom works for WorkSource, you know, and so like there isn't, at least in Washington, there isn't an unemployment office. There isn't a separate Mm -hmm. place that you go. You would go to WorkSource. WorkSource is closed now. They're all working from home. So you can call there if you are having trouble getting through to unemployment because you call and you do it over Mm -hmm. the phone or you do it online. Um, And so she's talking to people all day. 
you know, that are like, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't file for unemployment. She's like, you have to keep trying. That's all that I can tell you is you have to just keep trying. I know that like four days ago, Jay Inslee said they were hiring 250 more people to work in the call centers to try and process more calls and more applications because there's just so many people that are filing for unemployment. Um, One of the things I was thinking about economically the other day is the 18-year-olds that maybe graduated last year or are going to graduate this year and there's going to be so many jobs that don't exist when this opens back up because so many businesses will have closed um, that, you know, the more experienced people are going to go back to work first. So there's going to be this whole gap, I feel like, of people for two or three years where they're unable to get a job because the jobs that do exist are being scooped up by anyone who lost it and had experience beforehand. I don't fear a recession. A recession is inevitable. A depression is what right. I'm worried about, is that these, these are permanent loss well, and of jobs do you, in the immediate future that will not come back, and new companies will have to be created and started, and that takes a lot of time. Well, and how do those people support themselves in the meantime? You know, for the three years, they're like, do you have to continue to dole out checks like they're doing now? to support those people until there are jobs or do you you know like donald trump when they're when he's asked Mm -hmm. about a phase four um he said oh well you know i'm proposing a two trillion dollar infrastructure package which just reminds me again of world war ii you know we talked about this before when we were talking about like the Mm -hmm. new deal and stuff like that and the green new deal and and where that came from and the civilian conservation corps you know that's that's exactly what that is if you're going to use a two trillion dollar infrastructure plan and to put Americans back to work to try and rebuild the economy. That's a civilian conservation yeah. corps with a different name. That's exactly what that is. I mean, you know, not exactly, but that's it's essentially like a what that era is. Version and of so, that. right, right. And so, <laughs> I mean, you're you're just going to create a shitload of jobs with an infrastructure plan, and hopefully, in the meantime, enough businesses will have been started with that money that yeah. there's jobs for them afterwards. You know, more construction companies or something or whatever the fuck. I uh, I have no idea. Maybe redo all the national parks and shit again because. I mean, a bunch of them are being not national parks, but I know a bunch of parks around here are being closed because people continue to go there and gather and not socially distance well enough for the state. And so like the dog park down in Silverdale is all closed off. You know, you can't you can't drive your car in there and anything. So a bunch of little parks Mm -hmm. like that are being closed down. So I I don't know if that's eventually going to happen around the country or I will say this, like on that kind of note about. Uh, nationwide type of stuff. Um, the president was asked today during that press conference. I don't know if you heard that part, but I, I think it's been kind of a, a pervasive, you know, continual narrative being being asked at this point from the media is is there you know given the fact that there's only a hand a handful of con- or states now that have not instituted an actual stay at home order. You know, I think it's like ninety one percent of yeah. the states do or something like that. I can't remember, but. Um, He's getting a lot it of pressure. Is, there are 41 states with 41. stay-at-home orders and four of them with partial orders. Um, so there's 45 states that have some type of and stay-at-home order. And I hate order. to give it to T-Dog on this one, but the constitutionally, it is way better for the President of the United States to get up there and urge everybody to do the right thing 
and not actually force everybody yes. to. And this continued kind of, I can't read it any other way, but this continual push from the media to try to get him to invoke a na- nationwide lockdown is rather disheartening to me. And I don't, I don't yeah. understand the end game here. This, you know, the institutional narrative coming out of the media is very, it's, it's disturbing to me in a way that I can't even necessarily comprehend because it is so anti-federalist, rep, republic, you know, republic-based governorship. I, I, it's the one guy that you hate so much. You're trying to get him to essentially gain as much control as he can so he can manipulate all the states into doing his will. I don't understand this backwards narrative that's being pushed forth. And it it seems so pervasive. Every time I watch one of these press conferences, which, I mean, they're daily, and you hear it every single day almost. It's, I I don't understand where the disconnect is coming from here. I mean, is it just fear, you think? Or is it, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. It's nonsensical to me. Um, and I'm not, if, as far as a national stay at home order, you know, Mm -hmm. there's gotta be some type of way that they would enforce that. Um, and I guess you can leave the enforcement up to the States, you know, as far as what's happening in Washington, that's all that we can really talk about personally. I know there is an insane amount of rumors going around about, Oh, you can, you know, get pulled over for any reason now. And you might just pick up a ticket and you might just, you know, whatever there's. And the last time that I listened to Jay Inslee do a press conference, um, he, not the last time, two times, three times ago, I guess now, but either way, one of the last couple ones, he had several different police chiefs on there. Yeah. Um, that and was disheartening. It wasn't great, but they also said straight out, like, we're not pulling people over, you know? Mm-hmm. And Jay Inslee said, driving is not an illegal activity in. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Man, I even turned off my mic too. So, um, oh, that's funny. So he said, like, driving is not an illegal activity. You know, we don't have any reason to pull you over just because you're driving around, you know? A thousand percent. Um, he said that they wouldn't suggest people go on long drives because they're likely or to, you know, stop for gas and stop to get something to eat and stop to whatever and just have more contact with people while they're out uh, mm-hmm. for longer periods of time. But um, one of the p- police chiefs, I think, for Bellevue responded to a question about police, about people like police harassment, essentially, in Skagit County for people that were out in a group. Mm-hmm. And he said that they weren't able to confirm any of those reports that there were things being said by the reporters, but they weren't able to confirm them within the department that anyone had broken up any groups of anyone and with any type of aggression, which may or may not say anything, you know, but there's been, I I don't know, you know, all I can do is go off of what's corroborated and I've not heard of anyone getting a ticket or a fine or being told aggressively that they need to go home. They said openly several times that their whole deal right now is like educate and enforce or something like educate and advise. Um, I wrote it down somewhere that they're, they're not ticketing people. They're telling them like, technically this is illegal because the governor has put out an executive order, you know, to stay home, stay healthy or whatever the hell he's calling it. But, um, so, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, but we're not 
said we're not giving out tickets, we're not arresting anyone, we're not doing any of that. You yeah, know? I think they're smarter than that because essentially they know what that would lead to. You know, the civil disobedience at this point is it's on a razor's edge. Um, and it's only going to get more and more. The tension is going to get tighter and tighter as we have to sit here for the next month and do this. Which yeah. I'm sitting here looking at my calendar going, geez, man, that is. I got a solid month. That's Inform a solid month. Inform and educate. Month. That's what it is. Inform and educate. And yeah. I know that for. I know for a fact because I heard it actually happen as it was happening, but, um, you know, the Paulsboat Police Department was going around, um, you know, a couple days into the stay-at-home order and essentially kicking people out of parks uh, yeah. before they would close them. And, uh, you know, I'm driving around now, and there's caution tape all over all the park entrances and all right. this stuff. So I think that's essentially, they were just kind of make sure, at least on the super local level that I've personally experienced, they're just trying to get people to kind of just not be at the park because the parks are owned by the state and the municipalities right. and they're all shutting them down. So technically, you you, you know, you can't be there. Well, kind of like will say, how they closed down the World War II memorials during shutdown right. back in whenever the hell that was. And I will say the one thing that did make me uncomfortable, um, I maybe not uncomfortable that I didn't love during that Jay Inslee press conference, it was on the 30th of March, mm-hmm. um, the one that I'm talking about, is I believe it was the chief of Bellevue Police said... Please don't confuse our request for voluntary compliance with optional compliance. Um, yeah. And I I just don't love the way that that's worded. You it's know? a little authoritarian. Um, right. And I don't, I obviously, I'm, I'm down with the cause, you know. I'm staying at home, essentially, like I'm going to work and I'm going to the place I need to go. But, you know, we're not going and really hanging out with our friends, which sucks. I mean, you know, Cody and Mike had just had a baby that we've only seen one time because we're just really limiting the people that were around. Jordan's grandma lives upstairs, you know. Mm-hmm. And so in the interest of ensuring that she can still have some type of social interaction you know we are limiting the people that we're seeing so that we can still see her and she can still see the baby and everything can be safe Mm -hmm. um and it's a weird time you know but i don't love the idea of being told that i can't leave you know and it's not at that point yet where you know you're trying to leave your neighborhood and there's a cop at the entrance that's saying hey get the fuck back in your house you know but i don't like the idea that it's even heading in that direction that they're continuing to get questions about like, Hey, what are you going to have to do if you have to enforce this? And what's that going to look like And tickets and fines? And uh, Bob Ferguson, the AG was on that same. He was on the same press conference. Yeah. And he was saying there'll be warnings and there'll be tickets and then misdemeanor charges. Um, And it's like, all of that is for not being in your house, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and they're starting to enforce it on non-essential businesses now. That And they're like setting up tip lines that if you see a business that you don't think should be operating but is, then you're supposed to call and report that business. Or if you see a bunch of people who are in an unsafe group together, you're mm-hmm. supposed to call and report that. You know, if you see a bunch of people at the beach or whatever the fuck, you're supposed to call and report that. Like, it's... All I'm saying is that... Weird. I know? understand what it is, right? But I can't help shake the, the North Korea vibe off of yeah. this neighbors tattling on neighbors type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a good precedent to 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 establish. And I'm not trying to downplay anything. Like I am I am working from home. The only time I ever go into my office now at this point is to pick up some 
prints that I have because you know they're printed on the, some fucking 18 by 24 inch paper and stuff. Huge I can't paper, do that at yeah. my house. You know what I mean? But like <laughs> other than that, like everybody's home. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Everybody's trying to do their best to get by. I'm talking right now about just taking a drive tomorrow to to Silverdale because I haven't been there in. Since all this started, we're probably coming up on like a month now. That you should initially you should it just started. Because last night, Jordan and I, Dax went to sleep, and so we set up Kathy upstairs with um, the baby monitor, and we just went for a drive, and we got some ice cream, and mm-hmm. we went and sat in the sportsman's parking lot, and there was no one out. It was like eight thirty, nine o'clock, and there was no one out, and we ate some ice cream, and you know we stayed in the car the whole time, um, and then we just drove through Silverdale and back home. It was weird. You should go at nighttime. I will. I'll yeah. do that then. It was because, yeah, fucking. It was a trip. I mean, I see it like when I do go into the office. You know, I'm going again on Tuesday. Yeah, and you know, it's not. I'm kind of live out in the boonies anyways, so I don't usually see a lot of cars. But even now, it's like middle of the day. I'll pass like two cars on the road. It's well, and it's really weird. It's slightly deceptive in Silverdale during the day because so many people are out of work that yeah. they're still like doing grocery shopping and stuff during the day, mm-hmm. and so it's slightly deceptive. But that's why the best time was last night was Friday night, and so you know usually Silverdale there's a bunch of people because they're all going out to eat and I mean just going out to eat because that's really all there is to do in Silverdale. Yeah, but, right. You know there's a shitload of restaurants in Silverdale, and so there's it's all packed and full, and people are going and buying weed and they're buying liquor and they're going to the bars and the restaurants and you know all of that stuff is closed except for pickup yeah and so it's just <clears throat> there's no one there it is it very very was strange so weird i had to do my first wait in queue the other day yesterday when i went to home depot right I'm making some serious progress on my couch and it's it's starting to come along and i'm getting real excited about it now making it's your actually, own couch yeah and it's I'm going big and I'm being very meticulous and taking my time, but I had to yeah. swing out yesterday and get the last of what I needed material wise, um, other than like the actual upholstery and stuff, which is gonna I don't even know if places like Michaels and stuff are open, but I'll find out when I go to Silverdale. They're doing car side pickup. You order it online oh. and you can go there and they'll bring it out to your car. There's even Perfect. like special discounts and stuff. Yeah, Joanne's Jordan has like fat Joanne's coupons. That's so what you I just need. Sign up for Joanne's online. I always forget. And Michael's is crafty. Joanne's is fabric crafty. Exactly. <laughs> Joanne's will hook it up. Yeah, like I said, they'll do it. They'll bring it straight to your car. Sweet. Well, that's yeah. and that's nice because that Home Depot thing it it worked out fine. Like I waited in line. They have all the spaces like where you wait in line, all marked, marked out off, to yeah. to meet social distancing and all that. Yeah. And that's I, in the store too. Yeah, and in the store, and like checkout was very, very strange. But they're only allowing X amount of people into the store at one time, so you just kind of got to wait there until 49. somebody checks out. Yeah, 49. I think they said they only had 12 employees working throughout so the entire weird. store. And, you know, five of them are cashiers. Right. The other ones are just running around the store frantically trying to stock and trying to help customers out. Yeah. <laughs> Which the, um, the woman that worked there that was kind of gating everybody in and out and stuff when i first got there she was very very informative with kind of letting you know like hey when you go in there if you need help trying to find something it's kind of hard to find somebody but i can get somebody on there if you know you need help finding something now just let me know we'll hook you up we'll get in we'll get you in and out real quick so they've been very very helpful 
Um, at which least they was were nice. straight up about it. Yeah, and it, but it was just, it was a weird, such a weird feeling. Like I'm waiting in line to go into this warehouse-sized building. Yeah, and it, it's just you that's can't how I felt shake about this sportsmen's. Kind of, yeah, that's sportsmen's is huge too. Yeah, and there's yeah. only 49 people allowed in there, and they told you when you're in there, you know, practice social distancing. Like, don't get within six feet of anybody. If someone's standing at the shelf, you need just stand off to the side and wait. And I, which is, we, uh, I don't know, you know. It's weird. Yeah. It's very weird. But like I, like you said before, like I get it, but it still is highly uncomfortable. I think the thing that makes me most nervous about it is I don't know how other people are going to act, you know. Yeah. Like I don't know if other people are going to abide by that six foot thing. If I'm at the ammo shelf and I'm grabbing the last two boxes because that's all that I'm allowed to buy mm-hmm. and some other guy really wants that, like, is he going to try and take that from me? Is that where we're at now in society? You know, like, people got so wild over toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Oh, yeah. Who knows how it will be if there's any problem after that, you know? And we've talked about it before that it wasn't a supply line issue. It was like a stocking issue that people were just buying so much and so frequently. But mm-hmm. if uh, people got so crazy over the most trivial things that it concerns me for if there is some type of concern or shortage on something, you know, how are people really going to start to act when that pops off like that's i think we've had a nice preview of that already yeah over fucking toilet paper you know well shit i mean just even in home depot there was an an anecdotal story obviously of somebody that just flipped out for a second because somebody got too close to him yeah like started screaming at him it was it's it's wild weird right now yeah did you wear gloves or anything when you went to the store no no, no, I mean, I had, because uh, I had just come from my office, and we have a nice hand washing and hand sanitizing station in the office building, and so I was able to kind of, you know, alcohol up before I left, and then I just got in the car, left, and went over there, and, you know, I didn't touch anything and unless I bought it, you know, I yeah. knew what I wanted, so, you know, and I kept away from people, and, you know, there's Yesterday. a way to do it, when especially if you're by yourself and everybody's social distancing, like, you don't have to worry too, too much about you know, spreading unless you're irresponsible in how you physically move throughout the world. Yesterday I went to, um, Costco, Safeway, and then somewhere else. So like I went to get gas. And so I wore a glove and a mask when I went into Safeway and Costco, Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, for shit that I was going to touch. And then the non gloved hand for, like a sanitizing wipe that I just held there. Cause they give you one when you go into Costco, they give you like a paper towel with cleaning shit on it. Oh, that's so nice. I just like keep that in my hand. And then if I need to use my phone or something, I'll use the ungloved hand, the ungloved hand. Yeah. I love Jordan, it. you know, Jordan's starting, to, <laughs> she's starting to get more and more nervous all the time about the whole deal. So she mm-hmm. asked me to wear a mask when I well, went makes to the sense. store. So, and she's actually making mask fabric ones for um, us and you guys and the Brentons. Yeah, my cousin's doing the same thing. And I I, uh, was able to talk to her for a little bit yesterday. Um, Because, you know, her her dad, my uncle and stuff just died. And so I was kind of just talking with her a little bit just to kind of, you know, just to be there. And uh, she she has... uh, pretty severe epilepsy and had it yeah. her whole life right so she's never really been able to really have a job for very long 
because you know even when she finds an employer that will hire her for a while there will be some incident and then they'll make the call and say well i can't i can't keep you on so on and so forth so she right she essentially has to live outside of the system and doesn't necessarily qualify for disability or anything like that um and she's picked up sewing more or less as a hobby and she's been doing it for i mean decades now because this has been her experience her whole life and um she is making tons of these these masks for people and she's giving them out to people because people need them people want them and she's got some connections in the medical field and so she's able to just kind of give those kind of cloth masks to those you know more essentially essentially non you know patient exposed people that still have to work right. in and around the area and, right. you know it's it's really nice to be able to do that she's got the official plans for you know, the best style of cloth masks that you can wear. And so she's just doing those up and you'll be happy to know the first shipment of stuff that she's sending out. The, uh, the person that wants those is a huge ducks fan. Yeah. So they're all duck colors. That's dope. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, I know somebody that would love one of those. Yeah. The ones that Jordan's making, she just has a bunch of like spare material, you know? So she actually took a bunch of my old white tees and like bleached them up really good and then is going to cut those up for the inside lining. Oh, yeah. And then use a different material for the outside. You it, know? Wouldn't, it wouldn't do to have a, a sweat stained uh, mask, you know? <laughs> well, she's not going to use that part. It'll be. You know. I know, I know. Just, just trying to bring a little bit of light to the darkness, baby. <laughs> We wouldn't give anyone any dirty material. No. No. Not that kind of material. We'll let you infect yourselves. Yeah. No. The only dirty material you'll get is the podcast, baby. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, to kind of spin off of the more local stuff, um, I wanted to talk to you about that Navy captain that got relieved. The captain of the... Oh, shit. The, the Roosevelt. Roosevelt. The USS yeah. Roosevelt. Um, so, what's your take on Captain Brett Crozier's relief after doing what he did uh, maybe you should explain what he did yeah so um <clears throat> he blew the whistle on that ship i mean they i think the last number i saw is they had 1200 sailors on that ship that were infected with coronavirus mm-hmm. and he was asking for them to be taken off or at least the vast majority so that they could do some type of social distancing some type of treatment um and they excuse me and so eventually they did start taking sailors off the ship it was like three days ago that i think they had a thousand sailors that were off the ship Mm -hmm. Um, but they had you know a huge amount of people that were infected with the coronavirus and obviously the it's it's like a five thousand person crew total right right and so it's it's there's so many people in such close quarters on an aircraft carrier that there's like no way, you know, to socially distance all those guys oh, yeah. on that ship. It's um, like all the, the problems that we've been seeing with the cruise ships. It's exactly. like that, but two to three but times worse. tighter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're in communal living areas, communal bathrooms. I mean, damn near everything on ships are communal in some fashion. Right. And they are definitely a hotbed. I mean, one of the biggest killers in you know the seagoing services if you will if you're on a ship is stuff like staff a a staff infection can go it can take out an entire ship out of service within a week if it's not taken care of carefully you know i've seen that happen before and it's not good and so when you have a respiratory disease like that 
exponentially worse. That lives on surfaces and stuff like that for a few hours. A few hours. I mean, I've seen varying reports on that. I've seen up to 17 days, and I've seen a few hours. And so I still think the math on that is out. I don't know where we're at. And so that that makes it even more of a danger because you're dealing with an unknown entity at that point, an unknown variable. So you have to assume the worst. I'll tell you what. At Costco yesterday, I did come up on a five-pack of Clorox wipes. Ooh, snap. I bet you snapped that thing up. Oh, yeah. They had a pallet right at the front when I walked in. And that's not what I went there for, but they were right there. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to grab this. Yep. That's kind of where I'm at. Every time I go to the grocery store, there's always food. I've never been in a situation where I wanted something and couldn't get it. Oh, um, only particular items. You know, yeah. nothing like maybe a certain brand or something or a different flavor or some shit. But mm-hmm. yeah. You know, we're getting stuck with grape aminos. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, there, the, there's still certain items that aren't there, which is yeah. still weird. Um, mostly those paper products, which, again, I'm just glad that I stocked up when I could. And cleaning um, products. Yeah. yeah cleaning hand sanitizers, products. Clorox wipes, any type of like hand soap, you know, mm-hmm. that type of shit. All that is gone pretty which is, much. I, I'm just so... I think we just got really lucky because we had kind of gotten rid of most of our, our cleaning materials and stuff when we moved out of the old place. And we just got tons of new cleaning materials when we first moved in. And so we've been stock stocked this whole yeah. time and had no idea this was even coming at the time. We just kind of got lucky. So I have never had to I was in a position where I could dole out toilet paper. You know, we had to I had to lay off a ton of employees obviously because of the shutdown and they were finding themselves in positions where they were going to the store every day and not being able to find stuff and they were running out of TP. So I had I had a, a little bit of a stock, so I ponied up and gave all my employees, you know, rations of toilet paper so that they can at least get by for a little while. Right, and like that kind of stuff. You know, if something if the the purchasing habits don't change, that stuff's not going to come back, and it's just going to be kind of a luck of the draw thing, which is highly uncomfortable to think about, especially going forward. You know, we've got a long ways to go before this is going to be over. You know, it's we. It's easy to say a month. A month is damn near thirty at days. At least a month. Yeah. Yeah. And this is yeah. That's a, at least. We still don't that's know if that's going to work. Just how long we have to stay at home, you know. And even yeah. then, there's still some discussion of like a tiered dissolvement or dissolution of this stay at home order. You know, where you're at first you have like the more essential workers go back, but only the young ones, you know, or maybe if they are, if you're able to develop some type of antibody test, like they're talking about, if you have people who already have it and have an antibody for it, you know, maybe let them go back to work first. And then you, you know, wait until there's even less of the virus. And then people who maybe haven't had it, but they're less at risk to have it or to get it seriously, you know, then they can go back to work. And then when it's died off more, like there's all kinds of different theories on how that will be done depending on when it starts yeah when it starts and Um, what the landscape looks like at that point i think right because Fauci had said something to that effect during today's press conference you know he said you know we haven't really necessarily even gotten to that point yet he said we're starting to think about it the conversation is happening but again we don't know what going back looks like because we don't know what the landscape is going to look like walking into that situation or when that's actually going to happen it, well, you know, it was so just it's all theories last week, at this point. I think. Right, right. 
Um, it was just last week, I think, that the president was still saying that he'd love to open the economy back up by Easter. You know, yeah. and I mean, he talks out his ass all the time, but it only took a few days for so much data to come out for even him to have to say okay no that was just a thing i said you know but and he still defended it like oh well that wasn't wrong it was just you know uh like I a vision a i feeling. had or it, right with just a goal whatever it was yeah um, but and he continues to say that at every press conference we got to get back to work we got to reopen the country we got to do it we got to do it and that's fine it's just i guess it's showing that his his mindset is in all right we need to get back together asap but as soon as possible. Whenever possible is, we don't know. Well, I imagine at least part of that has to do with the election, you know? Oh, yeah. um, The economy was such a strong point for him, you know, that he would love to see that continue. He has seen a strange uptick in support percentage, you know, since this has gone on. He's seen some of the highest polling numbers since his election. um, And... And that can be attributed to any number of things, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But I think when it set in for me that he was really focused on the political implication, not that I didn't think that the whole time, but when it really set in for me that he's actively focused on the political implications of this whole thing is yesterday's press conference. He was talking about and said something to the effect that he thinks that some of the state elections, the primaries, have been delayed to interfere with him or the Republican Party. And it's being done, you know, to try and interfere with them. And when he got asked, he was then asked subsequently if he was looking at some type of mail-in ballots, you know, nationally so that everyone could try and do it. And he snapped back at the report and said, no, 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 like, I'm not doing that. And people who want to do mail-in ballots just want to, they want to affect the election and they want to cheat. um, And that's why I want voter IDs. I want people to show up. I want them to be at the polls. And the election is going to happen on November 3rd. Like, he was very adamant that nothing is going to delay the national election nothing will delay the general election um and i thought that was very interesting that he was so hot about that you know oh yeah well and it's highly inappropriate too yeah i mean obviously but i will say this to that effect i mean it kind of he has no say in whether or not a particular state switches oh, switches over right. to mail-in ballots, I mean this is something that is generally laid out in each state's constitution and would take a <coughs> constitutional amendment in each one of those states yeah. that don't have that in place already. And I have a feeling that that is not going to happen unless well, absolutely necessary, unless people are having to still stay at home. And you never know, you know, because we have point. 15 states now that have delayed their primaries. Yeah. And so you never, we're yeah. lucky in Washington that we already did ours or else they might've delayed ours too. Or if not for yeah. us having mail-in voting, but they might've delayed our primary. Um, we almost definitely would have. And mm-hmm. so, there, I think that that's still up in the air, you know, about what's going to happen. I think so much of that still depends. I mean, people really freaked out earlier this week when some of the death toll projections came out for the modeling, you know, and like on the low end, they're projecting a hundred thousand yeah. people dying by the time this whole deal is over, um, and that's pretty hard to imagine, you know. And that was the on the only low thing, end. right? And the only thing, unfortunately, you can really try and compare that to is China, um, which has brought up 
not as far as like how many people have died, but as far as population and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, but there's no way to confirm the numbers that are coming out of there 100%, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, China's still reporting that they've got it essentially handled. Only 19 new cases since yesterday, at least according to this World Meter website. 81,000 cases in total. Um, so there's no way to know. You know, there's yeah. something to be said by the fact that America has tested a million and a half people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the most confirmed cases, you know? There, there's something to be said for that. It makes sense if you've tested the most people, you're likely to have the most amount of confirmed cases. But yeah. that's, you know, there's no number here for how many people have been tested in China. So there's no way to know that. And I got into like a long discussion with Zeke about that actually earlier this week, um, about how much the numbers are skewed by, you know, and he expressed serious concern about just how many people were in China. And it didn't make sense that with that many people, they only had this many cases. Um, I told him I agreed to a certain extent, but I I do think the numbers are not correct. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that they are fudged. I don't know how much there are, adjusted completely because i think if they were off by too much and their results weren't reflected around the globe then we would know obviously that they were lying you know if there's like a seven per just these are just numbers but if there's a seven percent kill rate globally but in china there's only a two percent kill rate mm-hmm. we know that there's a huge disparity in the reporting here because there should be closer to seven percent you know yeah. um if and china am- didn't do anything differently but they only have that many cases um but there's also something to be said for the way that they shut down their country, you know, and Zeke and I got into a little bit of a disagreement about how well they contained it. You know, he was talking about how quickly it spread, but they also were fucking dragging people out of their homes and shit and locking them up in like gymnasiums. So I like, as soon as it got out in Wuhan and like the, whatever province that was, um, I don't want to be racist and just province. there you go. Yeah. The Hunan the province. Hubei. Uh, Hubei province, the Hubei province. That's what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, as soon as they started to pinpoint the hotspots, they just closed everything down. They're oh, just yeah. said, everyone is not allowed to leave. And if we see you, we're just going to take you to jail. And if you're sick, we might just burn you alive or kill you and then burn you or do whatever. Like, you know, there's also something to be said for that, that there's reports of them just burning people's bodies that have the virus and shit like that or killing people like there's China does some weird backwards shit that there's no way to try and account for how they actually stopped the virus. You know, yeah. if they really did, they might have just started killing people, you know, That's, it's and I'm not, not trying exactly to start out con- of their purview. Right, and I'm not trying to spread a conspiracy theory, but it's certainly possible, you know, that people just were being killed if they were found to be positive for the virus, Mm -hmm. Um, or a certain number, you know. I, I don't know how. What do you think about the difference in the numbers coming out of China? I think they're totally another bullshit. Yeah, I'm just going to say that right off the bat. There is. China has done absolutely nothing but prove to the rest of the world that they cannot be trusted in any capacity. 
you know, they have been prospering off the backs of the exported American freedom, if you will, for decades now. They have stolen everything from the rest of the world to get them to where they're at today. They have systematically, with their Belt and Roads Initiative, tried to essentially lay the seeds economically and infrastructurally to tie a bunch of nations to them, just like they've done with the United States over decades and decades by purchasing up all our debt and getting so involved. There is absolutely no way that the communist dictatorship of China would be truthful in their response. There was that... Did you see that Washington Post story that came out? Um, I want to say it was earlier this week. Where did it go? Oh, where are you, Washington Post? I got so many damn tabs open. <laughs> um, talking about the the possible origins of COVID-19's beginning in China. No. And Oh, dude, you actually, this is a Washington Post article from David Ignatius, um, who's a regular contributor, obviously, and he's talking about how miles outside of Wuhan, there is a research lab. Yeah. Does that possibly bring up, you know, memories from when you were talking about that a couple of weeks ago? Right. Um, and it appears that, you know, not not so much in a, like, say, a bioweapons, um, you know, capability type of thing. It, it was probably some kind of standardized research. Good, sci- good science, bad safety, as Senator Tom Cotton would say. Um, yeah. But they have, they've gone to that wet market, as they call it, the, uh, oh, where is that? It's the something seafood market, the Hunan right. seafood market. And, you know, there's no... They have apparently investigated and, and discovered that, like, this whole this bat strain of coronavirus that we have genetically determined by looking at its, you know, its gene sequencing and DNA and all that um, originated from bats. And there is, there, it's a seafood market at this place. And they're saying the only possibility of a bat contaminating that seafood market would be if the seafood somehow was contaminated by a bat in the shipping process or something like that. And so he's trying to rule out the possibility of it actually, you know, it's it's actual initial start point being from that market, but somewhere near the market. Um, you know, he's talking about a, a researcher who was doing some work with bats and forgot to wear his protective equipment and was just getting rained on in this cave by bat urine. You know, and yeah. it's, mind you, it's just one story. And I think it's technically on the opinion page, but... I think it says something for the Washington Post to run a story like that, right? Um, especially considering their, you know, their previous stance of calling Trump a racist for shutting out China during the travel ban. <laughs> well, and I'm torn between, you know, what's being reported scientifically and what I feel in my heart. You know, yeah. um, I told you that guy Michael Osterholm that um, was on Joe Rogan and I, he was just on C-SPAN yesterday. Oh um, yeah, you know, he was talking about that there doesn't seem to be any genetic indicators for in the virus that it came from a lab. You know, uh-huh. but I also, if patient zero is in I, I don't know how that works. You know, if someone in America has the exact same virus that came in China and if that indicator would still be in there, or if the indicator would only be in patient zero, you know, who had that actual, the, the first 
Exposure. infection yeah. right if that if the first exposure was from a lab would they be the only one that would have that indicator that it's that is from a lab because everyone after that is going to be you know some type of transference between you know person to person transfer so yeah so i i don't know if that indicator would continue um I also I understand that it's called the seafood market, but the type of meats that they're talking about, the bats and pangolins and shit that this virus might have come from is like a black market, you know, animal that's being bought illegally. So it, it's just because it's a seafood market doesn't mean to me that, mm-hmm. you know, there wouldn't be bats and shit in there because if, if it's illegal anyway, then why? I don't know, but um, and I, I've never been to the market, so I can't speak personally. I've seen videos that claim to be from that market, you know, um, that did not have just seafood there. But I, I obviously don't know for sure whether or not that was the Hunan seafood market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and again, that's being from the opinion page. Obviously, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, I will say, as kind of a fun aside to all of this, I did uh, go over to Wuhan. Uh, I visited it via Google, and I just go around, and there's a bunch of places. They don't have any of like the street view stuff necessarily. Yeah. Um, but you know, on Google Maps, there's still places that people will take like a 360 picture. And so I was just I'm bumping around Wuhan today, and I got to tell you, it's a pretty cool looking city if you spend some time on the google maps <laughs> you know i mean they got some nice shit going on over there yeah it's very interesting mind you there's smog everywhere but that, i guess yeah, that's I'm just sure. china um so i just i wanted to push back on one thing because i wanted to go jump real back to that navy captain that was that was fired right oh yeah because i want to yeah, I, I saw a reporter today on the press conference really try to come at President Trump about this and try to get him to, to say whether he thinks it was right or wrong. And the general narrative that I'm reading so far is that this was a travesty. This captain was just trying to raise the flag. You know, he's trying to, to call for help and save a bunch of innocent sailors and all this good stuff. He didn't deserve to be fired. And I don't agree with that at all in any percentage. I, you know, he definitely deserved to be fired, uh, relieved of command, even if he was technically doing the right thing. But I wanted to get like an actual take on, you know. Why do you say that? Because. Before you continue, just yes. to interrupt really quick, um, the new numbers from the Seattle Times for the state of Washington 7,591 cases. Of coronavirus and 310 deaths. Um, But I also wanted to add the amount of people that have recovered because I think that that number is just about as important. Yeah. Um, And globally, we have 246,000 people that have recovered from the coronavirus. So Globally? Globally. Out of, what, a Um, million plus? 1.1 million, yeah. Okay. Um, and so those there's only 64,000 people that have died globally mm-hmm. and 246,000 that have recovered. And so all the other ones are still actively dealing with it. But, uh-huh. you know, of those numbers, we've yeah. got, what you know, four times the amount of people that have recovered that have, than that have died. So well, that's, that's some serious good news. Um, Sorry, so, go ahead. No, that's all right. So back to this captain. Um, my major problem with what happened is that I am looking at the letter that he sent, um, kind of outlining his his need for evacuation or whatnot. 
Um, well, newsflash. If I'm looking at the letter that you sent, you fucked up. You cannot broadcast to the world that one of our massive strategic military platforms is essentially out of commission due to disease and then broadcast that to the world. Whether his yeah, intent yeah. of that was, you know, his intent was obviously right. Mind you, he skipped the chain of command. Um, apparently, it's hard to and tell. Told because the he world could have we have been, a whole boat that's, <laughs> that's yes. open to, okay. I and that's... Yeah. You know, and so militarily, he broke good order and discipline. He jumped the chain of command, and he allowed something to go public that should have never seen the light of the day to the yeah. public. Period. That should have been dealt with internally. Yeah. I can I can understand that, and that's where I'm at. Just from the military standpoint, you can't yeah. do that. You know, and even if he tried to do it the right way, and somebody along the line leaked it, you're still responsible. And right. So, you know, and just because he gets relieved of command. That's not a career-ending thing. You know, he got relieved of command for poor judgment, um, which it was, obviously. And He wasn't discharged from the military. He was no. just relieved of command of that boat. Yeah, and he'll still, you know, he'll be able to finish out his career. He'll probably never be a boat captain again, obviously, because yeah. you can only fuck up once. But, you know, I get it, but I also get him being relieved 100%, and I'm totally on board and the people that don't understand that probably just don't have the understanding of that that military bearing and what's what's kind of required of you you know when you when you right. sign the 3500 pages of that contract that you're walking into when you sign up for the military you are forfeiting most of if not all of your constitutional rights in place of <laughs> right. a new set of rights and right. they ain't as stringent <laughs> you know what i mean and so you can't necessarily have the right to do that. And so I, I totally get it. And But I also get it from like the kind of the outrage side too. But um, I just, I really wanted to hit on that because it's a, it's a big narrative and he's, you know, kind of a martyr at this point in the media's eyes. And, but still, can't be doing that, man. Can't well, and I can, that. I think you're right um, about the perspective because prior to having discussed it with you, you know, I hadn't considered that whether like the way mm -hmm. that it, it had happened internally um, but that makes much more sense so i think it's especially for things like this and we talked about like eddie gallagher and stuff like that you know i think it's yeah. really important to discuss things like this with people who have been in the military or are in the military because things are so different um, when you're a soldier or a sailor or an airman or a whatever than from when you're a standard civilian um, that it it's almost it, you you just would never think about it. You know, oh, they're yeah. not things that would ever come into your mind to consider. Yeah. Um, so I think that's very important. I think that's very interesting. Just had to sprinkle a little of that perspective on there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, no, 100%. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about economics, right? Uh, okay. Or at least like the stimulus package. Because we're getting a little... Up there, Dax has not slept this whole time. He got mm -hmm. a new tooth today, um, and he's oh. getting his he's getting his two year molars, you know, at fifteen months. So he's doing everything early, and he's got like three molars coming in now. So he's so just on a quick way. quick aside. Have are you having any trouble finding like baby baby aspirin or baby Tylenol or whatever that kind of stuff is to help him uh, go no, along with that? No, okay. not yet. We haven't had any problem yet. No, that's good. Nice to know that kind of stuff still on the shelves. Yes. Um, the last time I had to buy it was when I was at the store that time. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we'll see where we're at in a couple of days when I got to go back. But There you go. <laughs> so economics. 
um, yes. with the with the financial aid package. Yeah, I have so a really phase... hard time trying to trying to call it a stimulus package. I don't. I think <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind um, of nonsensical either way, but it I just I can't go there. <laughs> we'll just call it phase three. Right? There you go. So this um, is the two trillion. It's two point two trillion dollars. It could end up being as much as six trillion when it's all said and done. That's a lot of money, Mr. B. Oh, yo. Do you want to come talk on the mic just for a second? Say dada. Say dada. Oh, microphone. Dada. Oh my God! Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Dada. Dada. Says Dax, everyone. Oh. On mic for the first time. Look at that. Oh, dancing. We're dancing. We got a bear hoodie on. Nice. Does he have ears on the hoodie? Yes. Of course he does. Dada. <laughs> yeah. Microphone. I feel, I feel like Dada is the only words I've heard him say. Dada. He says a lot of other stuff, but that's the favorite one. Dada is the favorite. That's for sure. That that totally makes sense. That doesn't make you feel good at all, does it? <laughs> you do not rub that in Jordan's face, do you? No. Does he, he says say mama when he wants something? Oh, okay. Can I use that one more time? All right, sweet boy. Thanks for making a guest appearance. Do you want to say something, babe? Nope. <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> well, you said something, so you did it. Woohoo! Oh man. Well, well, we'll be done here soon. Yeah, we can talk some economics, and then uh, we can we can move along. Yep. Yeah, so, no, he didn't take a snap like at all. So just it's not been, committed. You know. So if he doesn't take a nap now, does he go to bed any earlier? Uh, maybe a little bit, but if you put him to bed too early, then he'll just wake up really early. You know. Yeah. So you just kind of have to occupy him. Yeah, and, kids, uh, they just don't know the glories of sleeping in yet because they have no frame of reference. Yeah. So they take advantage. Well, like, I'm up. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that he could hear me in here, you know. So. Oh, yeah. I'm he sure wants dad to help with them. Yeah. So the way that this $2 trillion breaks down um, is $560 billion of it estimated will mm-hmm. be broken up into checks and sent to American individuals throughout the country um anyone who makes less than ninety nine thousand dollars will get a check that like that filed last year but also people with social security there's there's different ways that they're quantifying different amounts of money mm-hmm. if you make between seventy five thousand dollars and ninety nine thousand dollars you may you, your check is going to be a little bit less but you'll still be getting a check um it will be deposited into the bank account that you used or that you got your tax return deposited into if you haven't set that up there will be a web portal you can go online and put in your banking information so they can put it in there or you will have to wait months to get your paper check in the mail because it will take fucking forever yeah it sounded like uh it could take up to five months from what i'm hearing yeah as far as uh the mail-in checks go they definitely didn't want to admit that Mm -hmm. and they weren't willing to say that themselves they continued to just press on like there's going to be a web portal we're going to set up so that you can go and put in your information just trying to like we don't want it to be that long um so you know anyone who filed their taxes already and already has their bank account set up then within the next three weeks you should be getting a nice sum of money 
into your account. Um, for some of you, it may be nicer than others in comparison to how much your bills are. Um, but yeah. you know, and let's run. The, let's think about this for a second, right? If you are, say, a family of two with no no young pups around, you hmm, could be looking at getting like a that? Yeah, I don't know. You could be looking at twenty four hundred dollars. Yeah, twelve hundred dollars right. per person who makes less than seventy five thousand dollars, and then an additional five hundred per child, right? Yep. Okay, so you get twenty four hundred dollars. Um, both both parents in this situ- or both people in this situation are not working because their business has shut down or they've been laid off. Yeah. So they're also on unemployment, and so they get this this check on top of the unemployment that they would hopefully be getting as well. Correct. Yeah, and so the idea there is you can you can pay your rent, you can pay your mortgage, you can pay your bills, and you can buy groceries. I don't know if necessarily that's enough, but I mean it well, will certainly be helpful. Especially because twelve hundred dollars, um, if you're working full time, that's only seven fifty an hour. Like that yeah. would be equivalent to your paychecks if you make seven fifty an hour, which is I mean not the minimum wage in Washington state, you know? So if you even have a minimum wage full-time job in, I think it's $11 now, or some, maybe it might be 11, 15 or something like that in Washington state. The minimum wage is super high here. I think it's Uh, 12, $12 an hour. Unless you're in Seattle and it's 15. So, I mean, before taxes, you know, that's $1,900 Mm -hmm. a month. So, I mean, that's, that's not going to be anywhere near. And, whatever your pay is and if you're missing out on work for several months if you're you know uh, a full-time worker at a restaurant or some shit that has to close you know like the red apple diner you know like they they had to close they just weren't able to to pay their bills and everything like that so um or at least lay off all their workers you know so they weren't doing I, i don't know that just doesn't it almost seems like a new payout is inevitable, you know, if oh, that's yeah. what it's going to be it and there's nothing is. else coming, then yeah. I don't know how you, you're going to avoid that. Yeah, because unless um, you can say, let's just assume that the, you know, the 30 days ends and we go back to the economy full speed ahead, everybody goes back to work who still has a place to go back to work. Yeah. Um, then ideally, most people would be okay because they can go back and they can get their full month's pay by the end of the end of the month and be able to get back to some semblance of normal. I don't see that happening, but which is why I see another payout being inevitable well, at some point. Especially because even just to use myself as an example, you know, like I'm still able to go to work, but I'm not getting the same amount of hours that I was before. Yep. And so I'm I'm missing on money, but I'm still working, you know? And mm-hmm. so I'm not able to like collect unemployment or anything you know i've just been having to use my vacation hours and stuff to make up for what i'm missing because i'm not working um, because i'm i don't qualify for like the emergency corona you know a stay-at-home pay because i'm not staying at home i'm still working you know so it's it's like a weird place to find myself and i'm it's not like i'm the only one in the country who's in the same position you know that's still working but isn't hitting the same amount of hours so they're not making enough money you know and being that we're a one-income household we operate on pretty thin margins that if i don't make that amount of money every week you know that starts to cut into the bottom line pretty quickly oh yeah so even people who are going without 
yeah, even people who are okay now, you know, are we going to be okay in a month? It come May 4th when all this is, this set is done with and maybe the guidelines do or do not get ex- extended, you know, mm-hmm. where are we going to be at then if all we've got is, you know, if we're working even less then and all we've got is this one-time payment of $1,200, yeah. like that's, that's only going to be good for so long and for so many people, it's already not enough. You know, and if anything, it just illustrates the the vast disconnect that still exists between you know our political class and us plebs. You know, it's, yeah. You know, they just throw an arbitrary number around there, and then you have right, even the like, president. Yeah. Like that's a lot of money that we're giving out. You know, it's I mean, yeah, five hundred and sixty really. billion dollars is a lot yeah. of money, but not when it's broken up into twelve hundred dollar payments or seven hundred dollar payments to people who make less than ninety nine thousand, but more than seventy five thousand. Yeah. You know. If and the, I the people know. that are so they're going to be so drastically affected by this, I can think of a couple of them that I know right now because they, for whatever reason, they don't trust banks, and so they are kind of a they get a paycheck, they go get it cashed at a yeah. check cashing place, and then they just have cash. They don't have any kind of affiliation with banks whatsoever. Um, I'm not going to ask them what they do tax purpose wise, but if they Ooh. haven't been filing taxes, they're not getting a check. Right, and, and it's those people that live the closest to the ground like that that are going to be the worst off. Right, because it is. You're right. It is going to the people who filed taxes in 2018 or 2019. Yep. And if you didn't file taxes in either of those years, then you don't have a check coming in the mail, and you probably and have why, bigger problems. <laughs> right, and that's why they're still allowing people to file their taxes. Well, many reasons, but that's one of the reasons they're still allowing people to file their taxes. Oh but yeah, government's if, yeah, never going to not allow filing taxes. <laughs> right now, they're going to get there somehow. Yeah, but if you haven't filed taxes, then you don't have a check coming. And if you haven't filed taxes and you don't have a job now, you're ultra boned. You don't have any help coming from the government, you know? And it's at that point, those people need to be looking for a way to start making money. There are ways out there now that you can do it. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because it illustrates that if you're not like, if you're not part of the system if you're operating on the outside edges of society you know the way we think of it and you you know you're not you don't have a valid driver's license or an id or something and you right, just kind of right. live Sovereign you know citizens fuck the government type of stuff like well you know it does pay to be part of the system in some capacity sometimes mm-hmm. even if it's just a little bit of help yeah and i will say on um, do you have the the breakdown of how much of that money was going towards the SBA loans, or was that part of the first package? Yes. Um, so what we have here is $560 billion for individuals, $43.7 billion for education and other things, um, $153.5 billion for public health, $500 billion for big corporations, $377 billion for small businesses, um, three thirty nine for state and local governments, and then a twenty six billion dollar safety net. So okay. three seventy seven for small businesses in the form of small business loans. That it seems like it's mostly focused on payroll. Like that's, that's what yeah. so much of this is focused on is ensuring that the money goes to payroll, which I understand to a certain extent, but it also doesn't make sense how you're supposed to continue the rest of your operations. Yep. I'm especially I, when you're already I, shut down. And I just saw an an ad on YouTube earlier that like explained I'm sure not totally, but you know, the gist of the process. And it said you can borrow up to two hundred and fifty percent 
of your payroll costs monthly. Um, and then if you maintain payroll, full payroll that whole time, then it turns into a grant that is forgiven after yeah, whatever period of time. Because we were looking at, you know, we we're looking at all options and stuff for the right. company. And that was something that we've been in communication with our lawyer about. And we. And what did they have to say? Essentially the same thing you kind of lined out. It's if you do take those loans, um, you can do that, but that you have to pay them back unless you keep your staff at 90% and can prove that you have done that. So yeah. I don't know if that's just kind of a, a certified payroll that you would have to send out. But I'll tell you right now that most small businesses are not going to get involved with that um, unless they absolutely deem it necessary. Most people will, will opt to close their doors, period. Why is that? Um, well, part of it is the unknown aspect of whether or not you're ever going to actually be able to pay that back um, or when that might actually be able to, when you might actually be able to start working again. So you're looking at all these unknowns and when you're dealing with the survivability of a company, you don't take any chances. Um, so you do what you have to do to make sure that the company is there on the other end. So that way everybody continues to go forth and can make a living and then you can rehire people at that point. Well, but even if you, people. if even if you did end up closing after after the let's say it goes on for a year, right? Yeah. And if you take that loan out, you're getting the loan every month for a year. You don't have to make payments on it until the end, because if you do it the whole time, then it turns into a grant, right? Mm -hmm. So, it. I'm not sure what reason or what would stop a small business from taking that out if if. Even if the only thing it does is ensure payroll until the end of this, and then everyone loses their jobs anyway, you know, it will turn into a grant, I would imagine, mm -hmm. still, and then it would be done with. Well, let's put so, it this way. Owners of companies are not employees of companies. But if you can borrow up to 250%, <laughs> you know... That goes can, towards payroll, which is not But you part can of borrow 250% of payroll, and yeah. it can go towards other things. Oh, yeah, that's true. I can see that. But I could just tell you that at least in the conversations that I keep having and it's it's a continual thing because we're still getting guidance on what you can and can't do. A lot of the local lenders that most companies around here work with with financing are still unclear about how they will be able to get the money. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's still guidance coming out, and it sounded like there's going to be some more over the next few days going into next week. Well, they said they had, I mean, you know, the government says what it says, but they said yeah. that they had released new guidance and just put it on the website for the Treasury. Um, so I, I think that's part of we're We're having a meeting next week, and we're probably going to be going over all this, the latest and greatest we yeah. haven't really discussed it since the initial shutdown at first. Yeah, because they just opened up yesterday. Okay. You know, so the full, like, the applications mm -hmm. and everything started being accepted yesterday. Yeah. And so I'm sure that, and they said they even further simplified the application process. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, you got to understand, so, too, from, from a business owner's standpoint, it is very, very hard to operate in an unknown landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in whether or not the economy starts right back up and we, we do like President Trump thinks we're going to do, we're just going to skyrocket back up to the top, which Slingshot I don't see. Back. Yeah, which I don't see happening in the slightest. Right. But 
um, you know, even if that does happen, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not going to be a long protracted fallout similar to the recession in 0809. Where right. all this damage has been done and the long-term consequences of that, it could be years before that stuff is remedied and everything's back to where it was before. Because right. all that liquidity goes away. And, and just to be clear, we certainly don't mean to be negative about it, you know. But you're right, if there's there's estimating, there's 10 million people claiming unemployment right now, mm-hmm. right? And when this is all over, there's only 5 million jobs left or even 6, 7 million jobs left because of however many businesses have closed mm-hmm. or choose not to take those loans or, you know, whatever. That's still 3, 4 million people out of jobs, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, what do you do about that? Like, wh- you know? And... You know, the, the 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 infrastructure week might actually become a thing at the end of this because we'll need that fucking New Deal type of situation. Yeah. Whether or not that can get approved in any capacity, I don't know. But I don't know. It's it's some strange stuff, man. We're living another in, two trillion dollars. Everything is so unclear that you know everybody's kind of grasping at straws and spitting into the wind, hoping they don't get hit with it on the comeback. Yeah, you know the we're just in totally uncharted territory here, and a lot there's way too many variables to try to be comfortable with staking your 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 future life on, you know, all these unknowns. It's, right, it's, it's just too much to try to deal with, especially when depending on what industry you're in. I will say this: one of the positive things is we're gonna we're gonna take out of all of this is there's gonna be a ton of companies out there that have realized that they can reduce, you know, they can look at that bottom line and see how much money they're paying out um, traditionally in overhead, like in building costs and keeping the lights on and, you know, all the different things that, that you have to pay for to actually have an office that's up and running. When, if we can all operate and get by with working from home, what's the incentive to try to, go back to the old way and shell out ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month just to keep the building that you're in if you right. don't have to be in the building or you could downsize to a single office where everybody just kind of meets once in a while and goes over things once a week and prints stuff out or whatever yeah I mean, the way that people be, work yeah. yeah the way that people work could be forever changed and it might actually be a better thing you know I'm still getting used to the whole working from home thing. I, the, on the plus sides, I mean, there's pros and cons. The pros that I'm finding is I'm I'm highly productive and get way more done in a shorter period of time than I, for some reason, that I would do at the office. Mind yeah. you, that's part of my workload has been it been cut all the way, and I'm doing new things now. But I mean, it's it's nice to have zero distractions. I throw a, an old John Wayne movie on on the iPad in the background, and I just sit and I fucking draft for six hours. And next thing you know, I'm like, wow. This would have taken me four days before, and I'm already done. Dope. I wish there was a way for me to work from home. You know, all you need is an industrial press, bro. <laughs> Just need a table and, yeah. you know. With massive air compressors and yeah. a giant table and then a bunch of material we could stash in the group. We'll hook you up. We can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just need a, we'll get one of those SBA loans for about a half million dollars. We'll get you set up. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That's all I need. Yeah, perfect. Well, um, I mean, I have tons of other stuff that we can always get to at a later date. I might even try to do a little um, 
uh, a, a blog cast yeah, about yeah. it. I really want to talk about the uh, the exchange between um, Chuck Schumer and President Trump in those two open letters that came out this week. Do you see those? Oh, I haven't even read those yet. Oh, my God. They are phenomenal. I mean, I watched <laughs> this show on YouTube by Bridget Phetasy and uh, called Dumpster Fire, which is perfect for today's environment, obviously. Right. But uh, she has like a segment she always does on there called Troll in Chief. Man, if this does not hit the number one spot on Troll in Chief, his response to Chuck Schumer's open letter, oh my God, Donovan. Well, send I'm those going to, to send me those. Yeah, yeah, send I them to me and I'll read them. And uh, we can even throw them in the show notes. I'll, I'll send you the links and stuff too. Because um, it's fucking beautiful, dude. Beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. So, but yeah, man. If we gotta, if we gotta wrap things up, you gotta get back to daddy work. We can totally yep. do that. Yeah, it's dad time. Do you have a Do you have a liner at all? Oh, I absolutely have a line. Yes. Um, we will talk sports next time. There's been some stuff happening. Obviously, sports are essentially canceled. So yeah. um, there's still been some trades and stuff happening in the NFL. So we'll detail some more of that next time when we have a more figured out schedule. It would have worked uh, out better today, but Dax just did not take his nap. So it oh, just didn't yeah. work out this time. But next time, we'll we'll get it done. One of um, the uh, One of the cons from working from home. That's exactly what we're talking <laughs> exactly, about. Exactly. But I appreciate everyone sticking with, sticking with us. Happy we could still get together and at least talk a little bit, get some good information out there. Um, if anyone has any questions, anything we didn't get to, obviously, you know, let us know. Reach out to us. Um, we have our social media. We're still being active. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Twitter or on, on Instagram. And Colin is at Big Bird Offie on both those things. You can find us on Salt of the Street on Instagram, Salt of the Streets on Facebook, Salt of the Streets YouTube, saltofthestreets.com, just redone, all done up and fancy and saucy looking. It is so, amazing. Everybody go check out saltofthestreets.com right now. Stop what you're doing. Podcast is over. I mean, wait for the line, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so so we'll have some links to that, obviously, and posts on that uh, come Monday when this episode drops. So, And can I just um, say, because I know Jordan's going to listen to this at some point, Jordan, you are an absolute amazement. That new site looks i mean it's a cadillac man we used to roll around and it it makes the old site look like a jalopy you know (laughs) it is so polished and streamlined and beautiful so i just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart thank you baby all right so man i got some plans after this you know what it's just a good old-fashioned garlic bread butt shove what is that sounds delicious (laughs) 